is the Homestead Journey Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the pursuit of self-sufficiency, self-reliance, and sustainability. This is episode number 75 of the Homestead Journey Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Can you believe that, folks? 75 episodes where we have been walking together, journeying towards self-sufficiency, self-reliance, and sustainability. My name is Brian Wells. I am coming to you from 3B Farm and Homestead here in beautiful upstate New York. And let me start by wishing you a happy belated St. Patrick's Day. This past Wednesday was St. Patrick's Day. And well, I'm not Irish, at least not that I know of, but man, I love corned beef and cabbage. And so for me, St. Patrick's Day is an opportunity to enjoy that. Now, we don't have our own home-raised corned beef, and I didn't have any of our own cabbage here, uh, but we did enjoy corned beef and cabbage this week. Actually, we started out by having corned beef and cabbage the... A uh, night of my mother-in-law's birthday that I told you about last week. So it was actually well, not this past Friday, but a week ago Friday. And then for Sunday's dinner last week, my wife made an absolutely delicious corned beef chowder that uh, I continued to enjoy multiple times throughout the week. And it was absolutely just wonderful. It's one of those things that the longer you go, the better it gets. And it was just absolutely wonderful. And then Wednesday on St. Patrick's Day itself, we went up to my aunt's house and enjoyed some ham and cabbage. And that ham was some of our American guinea hog ham. My aunt bought a half of a pig from us. And so we had ham and turkey and cabbage up there. It was just absolutely wonderful. Great time spending time with her and Uncle Tom, spending time together as a family. I did a lot of, a little bit of, I shouldn't say a little bit. I did a lot of IT work for her. <laughs> uh, as you may remember, I am an IT guy by a trade. That's what I do at my day job. And so she needed a little bit of help. So we went up there in exchange for a wonderful meal. Uh, I did some IT work, but anyhow, happy belated St. Patrick's day to you. I hope you had, uh, had the opportunity to enjoy corned beef and cabbage. If you so choose, if that is part of your tradition, I I love it. It's We don't enjoy corned beef uh, very often throughout the year. And so it's one of those things that I do love very, very much. And so it was just great to uh, enjoy that this week. Anyhow, enough about that. You didn't uh, come here to hear about my uh, my meals, I don't think. So let's head on over to this week's Homestead Happenings, and I will bring you up to speed with what we've been doing here on 3B Farm and Homestead. Well, this week was the first day of spring, and so you may see something a little bit different. If you are watching this on YouTube, you may notice that the facial hair is gone. Now, what I do is uh, I started doing this, I don't know, about five or six years ago, just kind of for fun, maybe even a little longer than that uh, ago. I started going out a mustache for Movember. Now, if you're not familiar with Movember, 
Movember is kind of a, a holiday that hipsters put together to uh, grow out uh, mustaches, or there's also no shember, no shave November, but it's an opportunity to raise awareness for men's health issues like prostate cancer and so forth. And so in support of that, I started growing out a handlebar mustache, and then I've kind of played around with it. And in some years, I've done a Van Dyke where it's the mustache and the goatee. And this year was kind of along that same line, although I didn't style it too much this year because, well, what's the point? You have a mask on most of the time anyhow. But uh, I had been growing that out since November, and then my tradition has been to shave it off the first day of spring. And so, well, that's what happened this week. <laughs> the facial hair has been put away until the fall. Speaking of putting things away until the fall, uh, we're kind of turning the page here in upstate New York. And so we've kind of turned the page from ski season to gardening season and those kinds of things. And so the ski gear got packed away and really started getting after some of the homesteading related things, those spring chores, so to speak. Now, we did get an email this week from the hatchery from which I ordered our meat birds. And so one of those spring chores was to clean out our mobile coop that doubles as a brooder and then move it and get that ready for the chicks. If you follow us on Instagram or Facebook, and if you don't, why not? <laughs> you will have seen that I did spend a good part of yesterday doing that. And we have that mobile coop situated. I've got the electricity run over there. We've got the Ohio brooders in there. I just need to get a couple of bags of shavings and we're ready to rock and roll. We're ready for some baby chicks. By way of an update with regards to our master bedroom mold issue, this week I discovered a little bit more mold in one of our closets. It was a little bit of mold that got overlooked. And so I had to remediate that myself. And uh, so part of my week this week was, well, figuring out what those guys did <laughs> when I paid them a boatload of money to take the mold out of the bulk of the master bedroom. Now, this was a, a section that was really not not that big. So I, I didn't feel like I was in over my head to uh, remediate it. I went ahead and cut it out very carefully. And uh, then I sprayed some mold. It's I can't remember what it's called, but it's like a mold killer. And then I went ahead and kills over it. Although it wasn't kills, it was some other brand. I think it was a bullseye mold killer. But uh, anyhow, um, we are one step closer to uh, hopefully getting our lives put back into some sense of normalcy when um, we can get those windows put in and that sheet rock put up. This week, I also finally completed my garden plan. I've been a little bit of a slacker there. And so this week I was able to get that done. And so I know exactly how many tomatoes and peppers that I need to get started. And so hopefully tomorrow evening when I get home from work, I am going to dive into that. Again, follow us on Instagram and Facebook. I'll keep you posted. You'll see pictures. I'm going to be trying out those wind strip trays. I'm really excited about that. I'll be doing some soil blocks. And so you're not going to want to miss that. Follow us uh, on Instagram and Facebook, and you'll be able to see how things progress 
as we start our tomatoes and our peppers. Now our onions are looking good. Um, a few of them didn't sprout like the evergreen bunching onions never germinated at all. And the Walla Wallas, they really came up quite poorly, but everything else is looking very, very good. So I'm very excited about the onions and we'll see. I'm excited to try Charles Dowding's uh, approach to growing onions and we'll see how it works out for us. Today, I also did something that I've been kind of dragging my feet on since, well, December 25th. And that is that I bought for my wife for Christmas, a new ceiling fan. Now, that is what she asked for, okay? So don't get upset at me. That's what she wanted. And so that's what I bought for. And so I just hadn't gotten around to putting that up. And so today, it's one of those things I, I hate, I hate, hate, hate dealing with anything electrical. I just do. I, I don't know what it is, but I hate dealing with electricity. But I flipped the breaker, dug into it, and we have a new ceiling fan hanging in our living room. And so I feel, well, maybe I know it's something simple. I know it's something simple, folks. And I know some of you have probably wired your own houses and you do all kinds of things with electricity. But for me, this was a pretty big deal. Okay, so um, I'm going to give myself kudos, pat myself on the back a little bit. <laughs> no, but there is a sense of accomplishment doing something like that on your own, not hiring it out. And uh, so anyhow, new ceiling fan in the living room and uh, happy wife, happy life, all of that good stuff. One last thing to share with you. I had hoped to get a couple of barn cats and a friend of mine had some that uh, she thought she would be able to capture and we would be able to relocate here to 3B Farm. Unfortunately, yesterday she said, she spent over two hours outside trying to lure those cats in and she was not able to. And so we are going to plan B. I think I know what plan B is going to be. And if plan B works out, I will have a great update for you next week, but uh, we'll see. I, I need some barn cats here. I'm starting to see, I'm not sure if it's uh, chipmunks or if it's rats, I'm starting to see some evidence of some stuff around the feed bin out in the shed. And so I need some cats. Let's deal with these rats or rodents or chipmunks or whatever it is. But uh, I'm on the warpath after what they did to the wiring in the master bedroom. Anyhow, that's what we've been doing here on 3B Farm and Homestead. Things are warming up here. It was an absolutely gorgeous day here on the homestead today. My son and I actually went down to the ski area to drop off the set of skis that he had used this season. And he just kept remarking the whole way, dad, it's so beautiful. Oh, I love spring. Spring is just my favorite time of the year. And well, I guess I can't argue with him. Can you? All right. Before we head on over to this week's charting the course, if you are interested in supporting the show, you can do so in a number of different ways. If you haven't already, I would really appreciate it if you would leave me a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. Leave me a review or rating, whatever they allow for it. And that really helps other people find the show. Secondly, if you could share the show with your friends, your family members, people that you think might find it of interest, I would greatly appreciate that as well. Also, 
If you haven't already, head on over to our website, thehomesteadjourney.net slash shop. There you'll find a link to our t-shirt store where you can find plenty of our fabulous designs, as well as links to our Amazon affiliate site. Not only are these products that we use here on 3B Farm and Homestead, but they're products that we think you might find helpful on your journey towards self-sufficiency, self-reliance, and sustainability. So head on over to thehomesteadjourney.net slash shop, and there you'll find links to tools and books and all kinds of homestead gizmos and gadgets, thehomesteadjourney.net slash shop. On today's episode, I'm going to introduce a new segment. Now, I'm not sure I will do this every week, but this week before I started recording the podcast, I went ahead and reached out via our social media accounts and said, hey, I'm getting ready to record the podcast. Are there any questions you would like to have answered? And so again, folks, follow us on Facebook, on Instagram. It's a great way for you to get your questions answered if you follow us there. So I actually had two questions come in that I'm going to at least attempt to answer today. The first one comes from Bridget and she asked, how do you keep deer from eating your garden? Well, that's a great question, Bridget. And I wish I had a foolproof answer for you. I will tell you some of the things that I've heard about, some of the things that I've tried. Um, one of the big things that you will hear about are deer repellents, and you can buy commercial ones, uh, but there are also homemade concoctions that people will tell you about, concoctions that include eggs and vinegar and hot pepper and, yes, even urine. So if you want to pee in a bottle and then sprinkle it around your garden, see how that works out for you. Let me know, okay? <laughs> now, some people also swear by taking human hair and putting it in pantyhose and hanging it around the garden. Other people use Irish spring soap and hang it around the garden, and they swear by that. None of those things have really worked well for me. Now, I haven't done the urine thing around the garden, but I tried some homemade concoctions. I tried using the Irish spring soap, and the deer still came and munched on my garden. Other people will say, well, use old CDs. Uh, CDs are getting harder and harder to find. Um, other people will say use pie plates, the disposable aluminum pie plates, and the rattle of those is supposed to scare off the deer. But what most people suggest is using some type of fencing. Now, some people will use electric fencing. Some people will use woven wire fencing. What I used last year, and it really, really seemed to work well, is what is called a two-tiered fence. Now, a two-tiered fence is just that. It is two levels of fencing. On the inner level of fencing, what I did is I drove in T-posts, and I put poly wire at about, I think it was 18 inches, 36 inches, and 52 inches. And then I came off of that out away from the garden, another three or four feet. And I put another strand of poly wire at about 18 inches in height. Now, the idea behind this, the theory behind this is that it creates kind of a three-dimensional type fence in the deer's eyes. And they're really not sure how to get over it. Because if you just have a single layer of fence, 
Well, a deer can jump over eight feet high. And so you would need a fairly tall fence in order to ensure that deer aren't going to get into it. But this way, I had success with it, or at least maybe they just got bored with my garden. I don't know. But at 1836, 52 inches on the inside of the fence, and then I came out off of it about three or four feet, and I ran another um, another strand of poly wire at 18 inches. I didn't electrify it and it seemed to work well. So try that. See if that works well for you or pee in a bottle and sprinkle it around and let me know how you make out. All right. One other question that I got actually came from Don over at Little Mountain Life. If you have not followed their YouTube channel, do so. They're they're building a barn dominium. And it's just really a a lot of fun to follow them. The thing I love about their channel is that Don keeps it real. And uh, he made some mistakes with regards to the installation of some insulation. And he owned it. And, uh, you know, there were some people that gave him some crap about it. But I love it when people are just real and authentic. And so anyhow, this question comes from Don over at Little Mountain Life. And Don asks this, you grow a lot of veggies on the homestead, but curious if there are certain things that you've decided not to grow and instead purchase at a local market or store. Great question, Don. And absolutely, yes, there are a few things that we do not grow here on 3B Farm and Homestead. The first one is corn. And the reason why we don't grow corn has to do with space. In order to grow corn, you've got to grow corn in blocks. And I just have never felt like the amount of space that it takes in my raised beds versus the yield that you get from corn would really make it worthwhile. And so we buy corn from local farmers in bulk. And then what we do is we cut it off the cob, freeze it because I prefer it frozen. I don't really care for canned corn. And so that's just what we choose to do. Another thing that we do not grow a lot of here on our homestead is fruit, um, in particular apples. Now, I did plant a few apple trees last year, but those apple trees will never really yield the amounts that I am looking for, for sauces and for apple slices and for apple pie filling and for apple butter. And so we do buy a lot of fruit, apples, raspberries, strawberries, from local farms. And finally, we buy in things that we can't easily grow here in upstate New York. Our climate just doesn't really support things like citrus and avocados and things of that nature. But other than that, we do try to grow a lot of our own vegetables. We don't grow everything, um, but those are some of the things that we have chosen either not to grow here on the homestead or we cannot grow here on the homestead. All right. Thanks so much for those questions, folks. Keep an eye out on our social media accounts. If you have a question that you would like to have answered, well, who knows? Maybe I'll do this again and I'll be able to answer your question. All right. Let's head on over to this week's Charting the Course. One of the things that I really try to do here on this podcast is not speak specifically to current events per se, because I really am trying to make this podcast be evergreen. And what that means is I hope that 
five years from now, somebody may stumble upon one of my podcast episodes. And in five years or 10 years from now, it will be as helpful to them as it is to people today. But today's episode is going to be speaking a little bit more to current events. And that simply is the rising cost of lumber and how it is impacting homesteaders across the United States. And I mean, let's be honest, it's not just impacting homesteaders. A friend of mine at work, uh, she and her husband sold their home, uh, I think it was about a year and a half ago, with the idea that last year they were going to start building their retirement home. Um, she's getting ready to retire at the end of this year and their old house was two stories and it was kind of hard to get up to. And so they wanted something that would be a single story that it was going to be kind of designed for their golden years, so to speak. Well, there were some issues with regards to how the land had been subdivided. It wasn't subdivided correctly. And so unfortunately they had to put on hold their, uh, their plans for building their home. She had ordered trusses for the house. And at the time, the trusses were going to cost her $8,000. She canceled those trusses. I think it was toward the middle part of the summer last year, maybe into the early fall. And then she called the lumber company a couple of weeks ago to order them. And the same trusses that would have cost her $8,000 last year were going to cost her $24,000 this year. Anybody that has been to Lowe's or Home Depot lately sees that a two by four that used to be two or three dollars is now six or seven dollars. OSB and plywood that used to be 12 or 15 dollars a sheet is now going for over 30 dollars a sheet. And so well, certainly for people who are building homes and those kinds of things, this is a big deal. But those of us who are homesteaders who are looking to perhaps build a chicken coop or build a uh, duck house or build garden beds or, well, maybe some people are looking to build a home, you will find yourself in a quandary. Do I have the money? And am I willing to spend the money that is required right now in order to be able to realize my dreams and take the next steps on my journey towards self-sufficiency, self-reliance, and sustainability? Certainly, I can't speak to everyone's particular situation. Everyone's situation is different. Everyone's needs are different. And so on today's episode, we're simply going to talk about options you might have, alternatives you might have, things that you might want to think about as you approach building projects on your homestead. So the first thing you may want to consider is instead of going on down to Lowe's or Home Depot or your local lumberyard, is to look and see, is there anyone in your area that sells rough cut lumber? Now, I knew that there were people in my area that sold rough cut lumber, but I had never really explored uh, that option until early last year. And what I found is that I could get two by fours and two by sixes, things like that, much cheaper rough cut than I could 
by going down to Lowe's or Home Depot and buying two by fours and so forth. Now, certainly if you are trying to do finish work or you're doing something that requires plywood or OSB or things like that, then rough cut lumber is, well, it may not be of any help to you, but if you're looking to build a shed or you're looking to build a chicken coop or you're looking to build uh, garden beds, then you may want to look at rough cut lumber through a local sawmill. To kind of give you an idea as far as the current pricing. Now, this is in my area. I didn't check multiple local sawmills. I just checked the one that I'm familiar with. There's a number of them in our area, but the one that I dealt with last year. Currently at Lowe's, a two by four by eight stud grade two by four by eight is $6.67. A rough cut two by four, which is going to be true two by four is only 275. So you can see right away, I'm saving $4 a board by going with rough cut. So definitely check that out. It may be a better option for you to use rough cut lumber instead of what you would normally get at your Lowe's Home Depot, those kinds of things. If you are not familiar with a rough cut sawmill in your area, look on Craigslist, look on Facebook Marketplace, or simply ask around, Google it, and you may find uh, local sawmills in your area that sell rough cut lumber. Now, it does get a little confusing when you start buying some of it because not everything is priced as in eaches. Some of it is priced in linear feet. Um, so obviously do your homework, get a quote, see what the pricing is going to be. But I would almost guarantee you, especially right now in this environment, you're going to have much better luck buying rough cut lumber than you would going to Lowe's or Home Depot or your local lumber yard. Another thing you might want to consider is sawing your own boards. Now, this obviously is going to work best if you have access to your own woodlot, but you may be able to buy logs and then mill out your own lumber and come out ahead. Again, it's going to be something that you're going to need to do the math on. The other thing to keep in mind is from my understanding, there are a lot of people that are wanting to do this right now. And so if you're looking to build right away, this may not be an option for you because a lot of the Homestead-esque sawmills are backordered. If you are interested in milling out your own lumber, I would highly recommend that you check out the Red Tool House YouTube channel. You may remember that from episode 61 when Troy McClung uh, joined me here on the podcast. He talks a lot about milling out lumber. He does a lot of that on his homestead. And so he really would be a great resource for you. The third option may be for you to consider using other materials. So certainly this does depend on what it is that you're trying to build. If you are building a chicken coop or you're wanting to build a pig shelter, well, maybe you might need to look at using pallets or pallet lumber or maybe building things out of tin, maybe going with a hoop house style chicken coop 
temporarily. But you just may have to get creative. Another thing you might want to consider is looking on Facebook Marketplace or on Craigslist and see if you can find something that you can repurpose. So I saw today on one of the homesteading sites where somebody found a child's playhouse and they're going to repurpose it into a duck house. So you may just have to get a little bit more creative this year. Now, if you're trying to build a pig shelter and you're thinking about alternative materials to do that, you might want to go back and check out episode 50, where I talk about what kind of pig shelter should you build. And in fact, you may want to jump over to our YouTube channel and watch it there as I show you the different types of pig shelters we have here on our farm and how we built them. And most of them were built using scraps and things that we had laying around. So you might want to just simply check that out, but you just may need to get creative and in the short term, use other materials instead of going out and buying lumber to build things. Your fourth option may simply be to delay. And I know that's something that is very frustrating for us because we have plans, we have goals, we have ambitions, but sometimes the best course of action is to switch your course of action. And you are the only one that's going to be able to determine this, but sometimes the best thing you can do is just wait. At the end of the day, you're the one that knows your financial situation. And if this is going to put you in a heap of debt, then maybe you need to switch gears. And instead of building that beautiful, grand, glorious chicken coop that you had your heart set on, maybe this year you say, well, I'm going to scale back, maybe not have as many chickens. Maybe I won't even get into chickens this year. And instead I'm going to focus on my garden or I'm going to focus on keeping bees, or I'm going to focus on learning how to can. Maybe what you're going to need to do is delay your project or switch gears and then revisit this at a later date when hopefully lumber prices come down to something reasonable. (laughs) Finally, your option is to pay the price. If you feel very strongly about moving forward with this project, whatever the project is, then you've just got to pony up the cash. You're going to have to suck it up, buttercup, (laughs) and and just pay the piper. And there's certainly nothing wrong with that. Again, you know whether the need is pressing or whether it isn't. Let me give you some examples of some of the things that we were going to do here on our homestead this year that I am delaying. First of all, I had hoped to build a grape arbor and I was going to kind of build a little bit of kind of a deck and it was going to be really, really nice, kind of a pagoda type thing. I don't need it that bad. I want to do it out of pressure treated lumber. I don't want to do it out of rough cut. And so I'm just going to delay that project. Another thing that I had hoped to do this year was to put a deck on the back of our house potentially upgrading it to a three-season room. I'm not going to even entertain that thought this year. We'll put it off till next year. We've lived this long without it. We can get along without it another year. For you, maybe what you're hoping to accomplish is something that, well, you bought raw land and you've got to do some of these things. You know your situation better than I do. Maybe rough cut 
is going to be the best thing for you. Maybe milling out your own boards is going to be a good option for you. Maybe switching gears and using other materials. So maybe instead of stick building your house, you may want to take a page out of Don and Natalie's book over at Little Mountain Life and do a barn dominium. And most of that is going to be built out of metal. You may simply want to delay like I'm going to, or you may want to suck it up buttercup and pay the piper. Again, at the end of the day, you know your financial situation best. You know your needs best. But hopefully some of these ideas will help you on your journey towards self-sufficiency, self-reliance, and sustainability. Folks, that is it for this week. I hope you've enjoyed this. If you have any questions or comments, reach out to me, Brian, at thehomesteadjourney.net. I would be more than happy to have a conversation with you and uh, point you in the right direction if I can. I will be including links to Little Mountain Life and Red Tool House uh, in the show notes. So check the show notes out for those. As always, the music on this episode was provided by audionautics.com. So a big shout out to them. And until next time, everybody, keep up the good work.